I had a, a colleague once and she was doing sex education in primary schools and she said, you know, Tans, I got given nine pictures of penises and no pictures of vulvas whatsoever to show oh. kids. And I was like, what? That's wild. Yeah, and she, she rang up and said, why, why is this? And I said, oh, well, that would be too graphic. And I'm like, are you kidding? Oh a picture of a penis is not graphic? Oh, it's graphic. Good morning. You're tuning in to Mornings This Morning on FBI 94.5. You're hanging out with me, Helena Baroni-Peters. And right now I am so excited to be joined in the studio by the amazing Tanya Coons, who is our resident sexologist, pleasure activist and relationship therapist. And today we're going to be discussing a pretty big topic, all things decolonizing sex. Good morning, Tanya. Good morning, Helena. It's so good to be here. Yeah, great to have you in and yes. huge topic. Very excited. Very excited. And just before we start, I wanted to do an acknowledgement of the traditional owners of the land that we're gathered on, what we're meeting on today, which is the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I really want to pay my respects and give consideration, particularly after the weekend's events. There'll be mm. a lot of people out there not feeling so great today and just letting folks know that, yep, we're on it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So today we're going to be discussing uh, some of the different perspectives on sex seen in Indigenous communities and how do colonialist perspectives and ideas still exert power and control to this day. So a lot of big things. Let's kick it off by discussing colonialism and sex broadly. What is it? What can you tell us about it? What is the link? What's the link? Okay. Well, it's basically acknowledging that when white people came and claimed land and exerted dominance over First Nations people, we need to understand that the practices they carried out, what the impacts were at the time, and then also intergenerationally right up to and including today. So, uh, Pre-contact communities, Indigenous folks, had different views and practices to the white colonisers and these ways have, of being have been taken away from them. So the impacts of this are things like shaming of bodies and nudity, shaming of certain sexual practices, shutting down of open discussions and education and sexual activities, reducing childcare to parents only, creating racial hierarchies for sex and relationships, economizing procreation who knew prohibiting mm. marriage and prescribing who people could have sex with that's a lot of things mm, it's a lot isn't it it's isn't a long it? list yeah. yeah yeah things we don't really think about yeah. in the day-to-day -day, but it's all still in play and yeah. no matter what color your skin is this affects everybody mm, absolutely so the issue of sex is often seen as uh, this is a quote peripheral to the largest struggles against colonialism uh, is this true? Yes. Um, our producer, Amber, found this really great quote mm -hmm. uh, that says, what did she say? Decolonization is impossible without the gender and sexual justice as articulated by women, two-spirit, queer, transgender, and other folks who fall beyond and in resistance to male, cis, hetero, patriarchal norms. Mm. Lots of big words. Lots of big <laughs> words. Lots of big words, yeah. But I love this quote because it really speaks to compulsory cis, het, normativity and the mm. assumption that white cisgendered, heterosexual, Monogamous relationships are elevated above any other type of relationship or sexual practice or way of being. 
And you know what I really believe is that if you want to change the mainstream, you need to listen to the marginalised. Mm. They have really good things to say, and that's exactly what this quote is saying. Probably with words with more syllables, yeah. but you know, <laughs> right? absolutely. I think it's been long that people blindly accept all the ideas and values handed down by colonisers, mm. and that's kind of been protected by patriarchy and capitalism, which are the the structures yeah. of our world today. So thinking that sex really isn't peripheral, it's a pretty significant part of us and who we are and our lives. And then it, it really has been impacted by colonialism, mm. right? So the, the, the colonists kind of exerted their power and control through race, we know that one, but sex and sexuality through gender, through legislation, through economy and labour, through health practices, land ownership, social hierarchies and spirituality and religion. That's kind of mm. everything, you know. And can you see then how sex weaves its way through all of those uh, areas of power and control? Yeah, it's so interesting because I guess when I when you first think about sex and colonialism, like they're not may- necessarily the two things that initially would jump yeah. as being related. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, when you list, like when you say it like that and you list out all of these things, like sex is a really integral part in all of those power structures. And Absolutely. Because so I think sex, sense. yeah, sex Sex is radical, yeah. it's political, mm. it's powerful, it's relational, it's individual, it's community, it's spiritual, it's so many things mm. and that all weaves through that big list of ways colonists uh, exerted power. Mm. So how how do these colonialist perspectives that I guess you've sort of touched on and ideas still exert power and control to this day? Well, I think we've got sort of like an ingrained systemic mm. shame around sex, don't mm. you? It's it's yeah, definitely. hard to talk about. Mm. Um, there's a lot, there's a, there's oppression. We live in a, a world that's uh, very good for some folks and not good for others. So that we have oppression, we have repression yeah. of sexual activities and thoughts. There's racism, there's sexism. We've got pretty rigid socioeconomical structures. Um, we have traditional male-female roles. We, we, we've we made gender a binary, whereas mm. lots of pre-contact populations had more than two genders mm. and different roles and everybody was equal. Um, we've made monogamy the norm. We've limited views on sex. We've shut it right down. We haven't focused on pleasure. And then we've created these really narrow standards of physical beauty. And then I think just about every sexual dysfunction that's listed in the, the DSM has got to do with colonist ideas, right? It's a lot. Oh, it's awful, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> when you put it out in a list, it's like, oh, yeah, we it's really... It's not very yeah, sexy. It's not sexy at all. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's lots of... um, Yeah, we've got... Oh, there's so many things. Like, there's a history of eugenics. So um, there was a lot, a lot uh, in colonial times, uh, ideas and politics around people who are working class or not white or disabled shouldn't be allowed to reproduce or have access to birth control as it would encourage sexual behaviour. So it's kind of two ends of a very mm. shitty scale. Yeah. Um, teaching abstinence instead of giving full sex education. Um, yeah. We really need to change who decides the content of sex education because I think it's causing harm on so many levels. Um, and, you know, let's, I think, let's face it, we need to move as many decisions as we can away from middle-aged white cisgender <laughs> men. Don't you think? <laughs> I would have to agree with that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I went to, I want to thank Toya Ricky for a really good mm. presentation that I went to about decolonizing pleasure. 
And she popped up a slide that said normal sex today is. And I was so (laughs) distressed when I read it. So here's a bunch of words that she said. Normal sex today is tired, awkward, self-conscious, quiet, joyless, worried about performance, worried about appearance, unsure what the other person likes, tolerating of things you don't like, hoping it will stop soon, masturbating in secret, birth control being embarrassing, pain being normal, anxiety and health problems and a lack of intimacy. Oh, it sounds thrilling, doesn't it? Doesn't it? (laughs) And so can you see that these are Mm. the legacies of colonization? Does it make sense that this stuff's coming down? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and then we had religion being used as a form Mm. of control. We understand that. I think lots of people are like, oh, no sex before marriage and this and that. But I think laws were passed to enable colonizers to take land from people who were deemed and I'm putting quotes up here, mm. unnatural humans. I'm like, what is an unnatural human? All humans are natural yeah. in my world. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so not smart, inferior, not godlike, right? And also people who were lazy hunters and lazy farmers. In America, the American Indians used to uh, backburn forests so they could see their prey. But it was really good for the land when they did that. Okay. Yep, yep. And then the, the colonizers came and said, well, look, that's a really lazy way of hunting and farming. And so they... They imposed their own quite harmful and very greedy ways of farming, Mm. which was a point of concern to many First Nations folks at the time, but their words fell on deaf ears because they had no status. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. And then we've put in things like traditional family values, right? White settler family values over the top of Indigenous populations, right? Taking away children to give them better opportunities, insisting that only parents bring up the kids rather than everybody, um, insisting on ways of living, um, how property is run, how farming is run, how housing is run not living from the land, not understanding the land, right? And again, sex only being in marriage Mm. for procreation. Mm. There's a lot of harm done there and a lot of change from where people were. Mm. Mm, Definitely. Yeah. Um, What else do they do? Um, So we've got, yeah, uh, gender-based violence, so so creating traditional roles. I think I mentioned before there are lots of different gender roles in pre-contact populations and Everybody was equal and they had their roles. So it was like a community. So Mm. we knew who did what, when, where and how. But now all of a sudden we have men being dominant and women being submissive and roles being influenced by labor. So sex and gender were really used as forms of power and control. Um, And that gender binary and structure is here today and it's stripped away recognition of anybody who wasn't a white cisgendered male. Mm. So I think we've got, that's still in play. Mm. And I think, you know, there's a lot that we can do, I think, to think about things like that and change the way we look at things. Yeah, definitely. And you talked a little bit about um, sex education. Can you can you talk a bit more about that? And yeah. The impact of that? Um, so who gets access to education? Um, we have lots of control over curriculums. So, and the normalizing of certain acts and condemning of other acts. So, so again, it, who's making the programs? I had a, a colleague once and she was doing sex education in primary schools. And she said, you know, Tans, I got given nine pictures of penises and no pictures of vulvas whatsoever to show kids. And I was like, what? That's wild. Yeah, and she, she rang up and said, why, why is this? And I said, oh, well, that would be too graphic. I'm like, are you kidding? Oh a picture of a goodness. penis is not graphic? Oh, less graphic I, than oh. a, like... <laughs> 
Exactly. And I was just like, who is making these programs? Yeah. I was outraged. Absolutely. So, and teaching that sex is only for procreation when far mm. more sex is had for pleasure than mm, is absolutely. for procreation. I wanted to ask um, about capitalism and sex and how it's involved. Whoosh, there's another big question. All the questions today <laughs> They're all are big. so enormous. I know. And so, we only have... I know, uh, limited it's time. time. Yeah, I do want to sort of apologise to people that we're going big with ideas but yep. not deep because we, we don't have time. But we can in future episodes, Absolutely, yes. Yeah, so I think with capitalism, ultimately oppression comes down to making marginalised folks' bodies not okay in some way, right? So whenever we're oppressing people, you haven't got the right skin colour, not the right gender, not the right size or shape, not the right sexual orientation, something, we're making your body not okay in some way. Mm. So we've got billion-dollar industries designed to make our bodies come into line with very narrow standards that have been put in place by, oh, let me guess, middle-aged cis <laughs> men, my favourite people. Yet again. Yeah, so basically the, 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 the businesses that have happen to profit the people at the top of the patriarchal systems, mm. right? Things around diet and beauty and fashion and cosmetic surgery, mm. right? So I saw a TED Talk once by a couple of girls saying that if everyone in the world didn't buy beauty products for one month, the global economy would be on its knees. That really wow. shook me yeah. up. Yep. I was like, really? Wow, that yeah. is Wild, it's a lot it? to think about, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. We spend a lot of time and money trying to pull ourselves in line with standards that are not mm. set to benefit us in mm. any way. And I am very interested to dive now into um, Indigenous communities and the different perspectives on sex seen in Indigenous communities. Can you talk a little bit about that? Okay, I can. Um, again, I can't speak from experience, Um uh, because, I mean, there's lots of different studies, lots of different Indigenous communities all around the world. So I mm. want to take some examples from a talk that I recently attended where we talked about pre-contact uh, populations in Hawaii, right, because that's a nice starting point. So the first thing is sex is not collected in with religion. I really like that, and I think we need to think about that mm. long and hard. Mm. Um, but some examples, so pre-contact folks in Hawaii community had gendered roles right um when kids were four to six years old they were separated and they lived in separate houses where they learned all about their particular gender or sex roles and they learned about sex through play and through instruction and through observation and practice that's kind of interesting because we don't get taught that stuff today mm. um, monogamy wasn't mandated and jealousy was considered bad manners wow don't you love that <laughs> <laughs> yeah sex was regulated on the base of social class right for procreation reasons um so yeah so people who uh didn't have uh, if you had non same class offspring they could actually be killed or cauterized so that was that was fairly hectic that we didn't do mm. um, everyone slept with and related to everybody mm. children proved women's sexuality and community raised the children right nudity wasn't prohibited genitals were covered from the elements to avoid injury and nasty infections right uh, I love this one. People had public names for their genitals and they made songs about them. <laughs> that is fabulous. It's totally fabulous. Why aren't we doing that today? Why are we doing I that? think we can start decolonizing right there. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and there were rituals to prepare people's sexual organs for sex, right? So sex was for procreation, 
for fun, for love and for pleasure, right? And then enter the colonizers and they had different gender roles and power structures and they viewed sex only for procreation. They created shame around open sexuality and some sexual acts. They didn't speak openly about sex or encourage it unless you were in a position of power and taking sex, mm. right? So that lovely list of things felt so warm and so yeah. gorgeous. And then in come the colonizers and not so good, not and, so much fun. And what does it mean when you say decol- to decolonize sex? Okay, I think that's looking at sex through the different lenses than, than we use today. So moving away from hegemonic beauty standards, all bodies are capable of pleasure, right? So and decentralizing penetrative or cock-centric sex, as I like to call it, that is one small part of an extensive menu of things that bring pleasure and connection. So we want to make the focus on pleasure and not reproduction, which mm. really fits into the way I run, speak, live and work. Absolutely. Yeah. And definitely not the way that the majority of Western society runs, speaks, lives and works, unfortunately. That's such a shame. Yeah. yeah. So how, in, in saying that, how would you, um, how do you think that we can take action both on an individual level and on a broader scale? I, this is a great question, particularly after the events of the weekend, mm. because there are a lot of people feeling very upset and disappointed with the results of the referendum. Um, so things that we can do to be supportive and to change stuff, we can start to look start to have some cultural humility, right? This is a self-reflection process. But let's look at the general trauma out there in the world. Let's look at societal structures and economical structures. Let's not make Western science the only measure or way of thinking. Let's not make Western medicine the only measure or way of thinking. And let's have a look at mental health standards. Whose standards are we putting in place? Right? Let's question these things and don't accept what we've grown up with and what's talked at us as being real and true. So I, I really want people to start thinking a little bit more about these things. Looking at spirituality and recognizing there's not only one way, right? Like I said, there's not it's not just science in the Western world. Mm. We need to really start to reconnect body, mind and community, right? Mm. We can bridge, you know, let's um let's look at what's happening uh, at the structures that we're working with today and try and bridge constructs and communities, translate our knowledge into something meaningful. Um, And we can look at integration, sharing stories, building in culture. Like perfect sex is a myth, right? It's we need to have an awareness of the power of our sex drive and to understand and be respectful of the sex drives we have and our desires and understand that sexual pleasure is just as important as sexual function and that emotions aren't resolved through sex Uh, we need flexibility we need to understand that our partners may have different purposes for sex uh, that the quality of sex varies and that sex is integrated into daily life it really Mm. is from that big list of stuff we started with Mm. look at all the areas that sex pops up yeah absolutely and we talk about consent of course you know we really at the moment it's really hard because I think the only way that Indigenous folks and people of colour can communicate is through resistance. Uh, so we really, we really, really want to uh, start looking at consent and looking at con- collaboration. I mean, just take a look at what happened on the weekend. Mm. The Uluru Statement was really the efforts of many, many different folks from different communities all around Australia just asking for basic inclusion. 
That's all. And then we put that through a colonial mm. system, not the right way to look at it. Uh, and surprise, surprise, the result wasn't in favour of inclusion. Mm. Yeah. So uh, no wonder at the moment the only pathway is resistant. Mm. That's not very sexy. And I think there are a lot of things that we can do to open up and invite conversation and different ways of thinking, just not blind acceptance. Mm, absolutely. And so I guess all of the things that you're talking about require a lot of self-motivated education. Um, where would you recommend that people go to seek this education? Yeah, um, this, it's. I think the whole construct of decolonization is really complicated and difficult for a lot of folks to understand. It took me five years of looking at this and studying it and looking at different angles to be able to even articulate some mm. of this stuff because it's big, right? So there's, we're going to put some links up on the show page today, but there's a nice podcast by Kate Lister called Betwixt the Sheets, the History of Sex, Scandal and Society. That's great a fun name. listen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a great book called The Nutmeg's Curse by Amitav Ghosh talking about colonization and how that's impacted uh, societies all around the world. Uh, there's a book called Decolonize the Body. Uh, and then I've popped up a list of uh, articles and um, lists of resources that you can go and have a look at that are examples of decolonizing. Some are from an art museum perspective, some are papers and resources from universities. So just ways that you can read a little bit more. Mm. I understand a bit because a lot of people are like, well, how do we do this? What do we do? Mm. Right. So today's conversation is to get people thinking. If you can have conversations or just slightly shift some of your way of thinking to not blind acceptance but questioning, uh, that's a really good start. Mm, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning, Tanya. It is such a pleasure to have you on this show and talking about all of these very important topics. Oh, a pleasure to be here and such a privilege to be allowed to speak and dive deep on this. Mm. Love, FBI.